it was just kind of one of those where we were like, are we crazy for being up here? And I remember just our dragons like got us through most of that hike. This is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy. And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like birds. Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks. We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures. And we'll even throw in a little trip planning. Let's start exploring. We've been hiking with kids for a lot of years. (laughs) Yes, we have. It seems like forever. (laughs) It does. It really does. It seems like there was no life before hiking with kids sometimes. (laughs) It definitely changes the game. Yes. But I would say it's not all bad. You move at a slower pace, but I think you appreciate things a little bit more Mm -hmm. because they slow down and stop for everything. (laughs) Yes. You're forced to appreciate things a little bit differently when you hike with kids. It's kind of like when you have kids, the range of enjoyment can go way up or way down. Yeah, it's definitely a wide swing there. Before hiking with kids, you have a certain range of the emotion of hiking. And it's usually, it's pretty good. But once you put the kids in, the enjoyment factor can go higher or it can be even worse. And (laughs) so the trick is to figure out strategies and systems to edge the arrow towards the way better side. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we do a pretty good job of that. I'm pretty proud of our kids they're good little hikers. So yeah. today we wanted to talk about some of our tips for hiking with kids. And what's fun about this episode is it is a request from Lizzie. Thanks, Lizzie. And we've been receiving some requests from people for episodes they want to see us do. So yes. if you have a particular topic you'd like us to talk about regarding like national parks and getting outside and especially family stuff, because we've been doing that, like we said, for a lot of years, then go to dirtinmyshoes.com slash podcast. There's a form there that you can fill out. And we will try to address those requests and make new episodes for you. So that's what this is a product of, a request from Lizzie. And so we're going to answer some of her questions and talk about some of our favorite ways to hike with our kids. Yes. Things that we do, things that we've picked up over the years. From the miles and miles and miles and miles of trail that we've covered with them. <laughs> yes. And the disclaimer, this is by no means a, if you don't do these things or if you have your own strategies, then you're a bad parent. This is just stuff that has worked really well for us. Yeah. So the first question that Lizzie asked was, did you do longer hikes when your kids were small or what is a reasonable hike for a little one? And the answer to that question for us, I think it's really important when your kids are young, especially if they haven't done much hiking, to pick trails that are going to be exciting for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the last thing you want to do is take like your three or four year old on a (laughs) miserable trail for them. Although I will say like we do push our kids and we take them on trails that maybe are a little bit longer than what. Uh, most people would take their kids on. My general rule, I think, has kind of been that they can do one to two miles per year of age. 
is kind of what I think we've done. I think when they're really little, like three or four, five, uh-huh. it is like one mile per year that they've been alive. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but now that our kids are a little bit older, like our oldest is nine and he like loves longer trails. Yeah, he does. But when he was three, almost four years old, he also did the mist trail with the John Muir loop. He did. Yeah, he did the whole thing. He went to the top of Vernal Fall and the top of Nevada Fall. And then we loop around. It's like six and a half. Yeah. Ish miles when he was four. Yeah, which was real challenging. But I think the. He was also the only kid up there. (laughs) He was. (laughs) People were really surprised. But he also, there were really challenging sections as a parent and as a kid. And there were times when I think in these types of situations, you just have to be prepared to carry them sometimes while pushing them to do as much as they can by themselves. Here's the thing about that trail. I specifically remember this because I was not feeling like I wanted to hike that day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to the top of Vernal Fall. That's it. I'm going to do the fun, like misty part of the trail. (laughs) This is um, in Yosemite, by the way. It's a trail that goes past some big waterfalls and... I was the one who was like, I'm done after this. And he was the one that was like, Mom, we got to keep going. Like, I want to make it to the top of Nevada Fall. And he was the one who was actually like pushing me that day to go further because I was not, I did not want to go that far. Right. It's like, well, it can't be out hiked by my four-year-old. That's just embarrassing. So <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. So, yeah. But I think start, especially if you don't do a lot of hiking it's okay to start with some shorter one to two mile trails yeah, just to get your kids used to it. But they absolutely will surprise you with how far they can go. Right. I think we as parents put more limitations on our kids than they put on themselves. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, if you just stay at your house, they're going to do easy two to three miles of just running around the house being crazy. You can channel that energy a little bit. And Gravity doesn't work as hard on their joints and on their muscles as it yeah, does for, uh, for when you're an adult. <laughs> and when they fall, it's like, oh, man, they just got right back up and well, they were fine. What's that one comedian's name? Ryan Hamilton or something like that. He talks about adult falls. Adult. I have had some big <laughs> adult falls. <laughs> it's not as easy to get up anymore. Ad- adult falls are pretty tragic and embarrassing <laughs> on trails. They can have severe consequences. <laughs> but kids, generally speaking, bounce back pretty quick. I'm a firm believer in the fact that if you don't start early, then you still have to start kind of small and then work your way up a little bit. But you'll be surprised how fast your own body, how fast their bodies, how fast as a family you can surprise yourself with doing trails that are longer than you thought you could do. Especially using our tips, because I think that the things that we've figured out over the years actually really do help our kids to hike further. Yeah, that's true. So, okay, here's the second question she asks. She said, how do you get them to sleep at night in a different setting? Or is that even an issue? Oof. And I would say it's 100% an issue. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. With little kids, it can be really hard to get them to go to sleep if they're in a new place or especially like if you're out camping and it doesn't get dark till 10 o'clock in the summer and there's weird noises and stuff like that. But the first answer that came to my mind when I read this was, oh, you just make them hike further during the day. (laughs) (laughs) You wear them out during the day so that they just kind of crash when it's time to go to bed. Yeah, and I think the result 
of that means that it can be harder as a parent during the day so that you can have a better night. Yeah. Basically. And so your kids, you're going to push them a little harder during the day, which means that they're going to fight back. They might be a little grumpy. As a parent, it can be harder on you during the day. But that way, when you get back to an unfamiliar setting, you can have a better evening. Hopefully, they'll just be so tuckered out that they'll just fall right to sleep. But it doesn't always happen. I mean, we have sacrificed a lot of hours of sleep just trying to get our kids to sleep in a tent or to be better travelers for when we're going to all these national parks. There's been a lot of nights where we've gotten very little sleep because the kids just are unfamiliar with their surroundings and Mm. just don't sleep well. There's a couple of things that we did about this too. Number one, we use white noise. We always have our white noise with us now Mm -hmm. to get the kids to sleep, especially if we're all in the same tent and you're camping, there's weird noises. You have neighbors that are loud and still around their fire, stuff like that. So white noise has helped a lot. The other thing that we did, and this is definitely more drastic, (laughs) but the other thing that we did is we bought a travel trailer. Right. And that has actually helped a ton for camping and moving around, but having the kids still be in a familiar bed and a familiar surrounding. So actually, that was a very strategic part. When we bought our travel trailer, we did so with that in mind, just that we had really little kids. And we wanted them to sleep better at night, but we wanted to be able to travel to the national parks. Right. And so they have their own beds in our travel trailer. And those beds feel like home to them. Mm -hmm. They've spent a lot of time in those beds. And so they fall asleep really fast now in our travel trailer. And we've also figured out systems. So like when we're in a hotel room, both of the boys, we have a system for them so that it feels as familiar as possible. Even they though, sleep on the same side of the bed and they have their stuffies that they bring and we bring our, we bring the yep. that are from home that are comfortable. And we put the pillows, we arrange them in between each kid so they don't roll into each other as much and they can't even see each other very well either. And so Yeah, we do the the pillow down the middle, pillow line. Yes. <laughs> so that they mostly so they don't fight. They're at that age where they just Mom, he's on my side. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then Ash and I hide out in the bathroom sometimes until they fall asleep. <laughs> until they fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, it is a challenge, but it's definitely like we just try to stay really active during the day. And I think that does help mm-hmm. in most cases. If you've got really, really little kids, sometimes that doesn't work. But for our kids that are a little bit older, it works really well. Okay. And then the last question that she had was just what tips do we have to help our kids hike better? Or what are some things that we do when we're out on the trails to keep our kids hiking? And so we have a list of five tips that we came up with that have really, I think, have really made a huge difference in the amount of mileage that we're able to cover Yes, in this these is parks. True. Because we hike and we hike and we hike. That's what we do when we go to the national parks. We are testing out all those trails and we're checking things out. We're getting new pictures. We're just learning and experiencing the park as fully as we can Mm -hmm. with our kids. So Yeah, and we just hit a new milestone, too, as a family. We were in Canyonlands not too long ago, and we did the Chesler Park Trail, which is the longest trail we've ever done as a family. Yeah, it was 12 miles, and it was hard. It was hard. (laughs) Because it's a lot of like, it's not, the trails in Canyonlands aren't 
like normal trails. Like these ones, you're following cairns, which are those stacks of rocks that we use in the desert for navigation. Right. And you follow those. And it's like, we were like climbing up rocks and climbing down rocks. Yeah. It's It's a lot more up and over and around, you know, than just following a trail up you know, for seeing, it's not seeing a nice your trail. trail. Yeah. No, it's not. It was really challenging and it was hard, but I mean, we did it with a nine-year-old and a six-year-old yeah. who generally, I actually didn't have to carry them at all. And it was awesome. Wait, yeah. We're beyond the carrying phase. Our kids, we make them hike. Yep. Especially the nine-year-old obviously is too big to carry, but the six-year-old, he's kind of at that age where he's still like, I don't know if I want to do this mm-hmm. on my own feet, but it's like, nope. You're hiking, kid. You're going to do this. So that was really a big deal for us. 12 miles, 12 hard miles with a six-year-old was awesome. And I think we used every single one of these tips. We did. (laughs) So, okay. So let's start with tip number one, which is to get the right gear. And we do invest in good gear right <laughs> for ourselves and for our kids there are certain key pieces that like i will not go budget on mm-hmm. i pay the money because the stuff is better right there's other things that you can just like absolutely not spend very much money on <laughs> right but there are a few key pieces and one of those things is the backpack mm-hmm. if you are going to be carrying a child then you really do need a good child carrier. Right. And we've had a few over the years. We've gone through a few. Our favorite is the Deuter Kid Comfort. And we've also done the Osprey Poco Plus. That one, for me, I think for both of us, was just not as comfortable. Yeah. It dug into our our hips. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need really big hip straps. Yeah. And so the, the Deuter was a really good one for that. And we'll link these in the show notes if you want to take a look. They're not cheap. No. What are they, like 250 bucks for no, a brand new they're one? they're even more than that now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You'll want to look for something that has really good hip support because that's where you're going to be carrying most of the weight. Yes. And kids are heavy. They can be really heavy and they're like shifting around. Mm-hmm. It's not just like dead pack weight. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a living breathing, moving human. And so to have that extra support on your hips makes a huge difference for like how comfortable your shoulders and your back are while you're hiking. Yep. I think when they were really little, I think we had an ergo that went on the... That was wonderful for really little babies. Yeah. And it can transfer between the front and the back. And so that one was pretty cool. So as they get bigger, you take them from the front as a really little baby, put them on your back. And then we... We had a Kelty, we had the Osprey, but I think you're right. The Duder was the one that we really were excited about the most. But the, the kids are in their own, it's almost like they're in a rock climbing harness inside the backpack in mm-hmm. the Duder. Yeah. And so their weight didn't seem to shift as wildly either. Yeah. As they kind of kick around. Because some of them, their feet are contained inside the backpack. And so when they kick off your back, Like their weight just flings you all over the place. It's like the Broncos riding the cowboy almost is what it feels like. It's kind of crazy. I don't know if that metaphor works. I don't know. I'm having a hard time seeing that. But yeah, like the child carrier makes a big difference. So look for something with really good support. Then you'll be much more comfortable. Both of you will be much more comfortable on the trail. 
The other thing that I really try not to skimp on when I'm buying gear is their shoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we have gone with a slightly cheaper shoe and then they're just complaining the whole time. Yeah. And so we buy them. I love these. They're Teva sandals for kids. Mm -hmm. And our kids, especially like this last summer, I don't think they wore closed-toed shoes the whole time. Like I think they were in those sandals all summer long. They're so comfortable. You can get them wet. That's nice. If they step in a puddle or you're at a lake or something, you can get them wet, but then you can also hike in them. Mm-hmm. And our kids think they're more comfortable than any other shoe they have. So right. They love those things. So those shoes are good. But if you're looking for some good hikers, like I really like the Merrill. They have kids Merrill shoes that we've had for a lot of years for mm-hmm. both of our kids. We recently just got them some Solomon shoes hiking shoes and they love those those are really nice Mm -hmm. so but i mean all of those are around 50 usually about 50 to 60 50 to 75 (laughs) dollars which can be kind of hard to swallow because you go to walmart or something you can get like a 12 dollar pair of kids shoes they're going to grow out in six weeks anyways they grow so fast it really is kind of painful to pay that much for a pair of shoes But I've just found for us, it makes such a big difference when our kids like are really comfortable in their shoes. Right. So even if you don't want to pay that much or if you want to do like REI outlet or you can look on classifieds and things like that to find used shoes if you don't want to pay that much. But like I really, if you can, would stick to the higher quality shoes, even though it can get a little bit pricey, it just makes such a big difference for how far our kids are willing to hike without whining. Right, exactly. So that's a big one. The other things that we like to have for them, moisture wicking clothes, but you can get those really cheap. Just get like a nice like polyester spandex mix of clothes, but you can get those anywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be anything in particular. We always get them their own water bottles and I like to get the ones that are insulated so the water stays cold. Yep. Uh, they'll tend to drink that better. <laughs> yes. So we have some that we really like and I will link those in the show notes and they are a really good size for our kids when we're hiking. Also, I think the other biggest piece of gear that like has made the biggest difference when we're hiking. Not is- in terms of comfort, but in terms <laughs> of entertaining them. Yes. Is that we got our kids like just their own little dinky cameras. Mm-hmm. They're like 30 bucks on Amazon. And so they can take their own pictures. Right. And that keeps them moving surprisingly well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what's kind of fun is you can kind of be like, oh, I want to get a picture up there. And they'll be like, oh, okay. They won't even realize they're hiking. Let's you know? go take a picture of that flower, or that really cool rock. Or look, there's a marmot. And then they're off and they're taking their own pictures and Or sometimes they take their own videos and they like narrate them themselves. And that's really cute. Yeah. It's kind of fun. But they have a blast with their own cameras. They see grownups having them and they feel like a grownup a little bit with their own camera. And they get to document their hike. And so I do think it keeps them more excited, keeps Mm -hmm. them moving. So those are like the main things that I think have helped as far as gear, keep our kids hiking better. Right. So that will make a big difference. Number two. This one. We are the masters of this one. (laughs) It's hard to say I'm a good parent when you do this one is a main tip, but it works so good. I don't know. Bribing them. Oh, we bribe our kids so much. (laughs) Oh, my God. Some recent examples of this. Well, so the trail in Canyonlands that we did that was 12 miles. 
John offered to pay our kids one penny per cairn, those stacks of rocks that they found while they were hiking. And let me tell you, I vastly underestimated the number of cairns that we were going to see or encounter on this trail. And so they, what did they find? 600 and 600 something? 600 and something cairns. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was like 623 or something. But it was the coolest thing. They were both like, oh, 11, 12. 13 and they were like running the trail almost ahead yeah, of us. Yeah, they were running between the cairns so they could find the next one and they were counting them and they did that for eight hours that it took for us to hike that trail. I was just so grateful that I didn't up it to a nickel per cairn <laughs> because it was already a six. If I had, could you imagine paying your kid $30? That's <laughs> when I would get into like. We draw the line. Yes, exactly. Double digits? What? Kidding me? <laughs> no six- way. $6 for a 12-mile hike. We were really happy with that deal. That yeah, worked out okay. It worked out pretty good, especially at the end of it, and they were still counting their cairns. I was like, dude, I'll pay you a penny for all of these. I don't even <laughs> yeah. feel bad about it. Another thing that we have done when we were in Big Bend for the first time, and our son was, I think he was around like four or five. Yeah. And we were going to hike the Lost Mine Trail, which it's a moderate trail. I mean, it's somewhat challenging. But it's like five to six miles, and he hadn't really done anything that long at that point. It must have been before we went to Yosemite. It was, it was. before Yosemite. It was a couple. So he was four. He was three. Oh, was he? Oh, okay. Three. Hey, that's, <laughs> that's even better than I thought. But Yeah. So we went to the visitor center at Big Bend up in the Chisos Mountains, and he saw this stuffed animal deer that he just fell in love with. And it was like $15 or something. Right. And we were like, no, 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 we're not going to buy that. And when it came time to do the Lost Mine Trail and he was struggling, we definitely broke down and said, okay, all you have to do is finish this trail, do really good, like be a really good hiker, no more complaining, and then we'll go to the visitor center and we'll buy you that stupid stuffy. (laughs) (laughs) And we did, and he still has it, and he still loves it, but like, that felt worth it to me mm-hmm. to just be able to get him to hike that trail happily. Right. And then give him that reward at the end. And we also, sometimes we pay them per mile that they hike, kind of like if as if it was a chore. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, we'll give you a dollar per mile for this trail or whatnot. It just kind of varies. Sometimes we just bribe them in snacks. Sometimes it's not money. So... It just totally depends. I guess maybe what we should say is instead of bribes, we should call them rewards. Yes, we reward we them re- <laughs> incrementally. Exactly. We incentivize them. Yes, exactly. And in that case, what's kind of cool is you kind of condition them to be able to, to accomplish these things. things. from you. <laughs> <laughs> we went in two different directions there. <laughs> to never hike without a prize again. Oh, man. Well, let me tell you, we did a few other hikes on that trip, and I did not pay them for their cairns. And so that isn't exactly accurate, but they do often wonder, okay, what's the reward here? But it conditions them. The longer trails that they do, the more conditioned they are to handle those types of long trails. And then it's not as big of a challenge to get them to do them. And so it's kind of, it works. The, well, the reward system works. It does. And here's the thing. And this is, I think, the final goal, right? When you're trying to hike with your kids and stuff, you want them to love it as much as you love it. Right. And the perfect example of this was last spring when we were hiking 
John's back was really giving him trouble and he ended up having to get back surgery again after that trip. But during the trip that we took this past spring to the Southwest, our son actually was just like so devastated that we were only hiking short trails. Right. We were doing like a mile here, a mile there. And at one point towards the end of our trip, he like had a little breakdown because he asked us how long the trail was. And I said, <laughs> oh, it's only like it's like 0.8 miles round trip or something. And he was just like so devastated that it was another short hike. He wanted to do something longer. And then and there, like he made me promise that on our next trip, he would get to hike something that was at least eight miles. And this is a nine-year-old. Right. Like he was like, mom, it has to be at least eight miles. And so a few months later, when we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, I ended up taking him on that eight-mile hike. Like, we picked one. I had him pick it out of the guidebook, and we went and we hiked eight miles, just me and him. And he was just the happiest kid ever. He and you was didn't so pay excited. him for any of those miles. No, he wanted those miles. He was so excited to hike something that long and that epic in Rocky Mountain. Yeah. And so for me as a parent, I'm like, you know what? We've used maybe some bribery and stuff as he was growing up. But he did like he has reached the point where he hikes because he wants to, which mm -hmm. was the ultimate goal, right? Right. We wanted to have kids that enjoy hiking with us because that's what we like to do. So I call it a win. <laughs> I think that the fact that my nine-year-old required an eight-mile hike this summer is a pretty big deal. Yes. So I was pretty proud about that. The so ends justify the means. They do. Bribe them. It's fine. <laughs> the third tip that we have, and the third thing that we like to do when we're hiking with our kids is to tell stories and to let them, like, help them use their imagination. And John is the king of this. So you should talk about what you usually do. Man, it's... Hard to have a, an artist explain his art. Is it? <laughs> I don't know exactly how this worked out, but ever since they were really little, I've held onto my kids' hands and we tell stories. Sometimes there's familiar characters that go between the different stories, but you just kind of make it. It's, it's kind of when I was a kid, my dad would put me to bed sometimes by sitting next to the bed and telling me a story right before I went to sleep. I don't do that as much with my kids, but I do tell them lots of stories while we hike. And so I just kind of, sometimes it's an adventure story with cowboys and sometimes it's a knight or sometimes it's Dragons. a dragon rider yeah. <laughs> or this last trip that we took to the North Cascades. Actually, it was all through Washington. There was actually a guy that we saw at a bunch of different national park sites. He was like mirroring our same exact stop. So we kept <laughs> seeing him. We saw, we saw him on every hike basically that we did. And he kept getting caught up on where we were on the story. He just thought it was the funniest thing. But we just keep the stories going. And you find something that your kids are interested in. If they're into Pokemon, you tell a Pokemon story. If they're into Power Rangers, you tell a Power Rangers story. My kids right now, I got them involved in the computer game that I used to really enjoy when I was a kid. It was Heroes of Might and Magic 3. And so I just pirated some of the characters off of that and we went with it. We had some cool adventures on these stories. But 
basically what it does is it completely distracts them from what they're doing. They're covering so many miles without realizing it because they're entertained and they're engaged in the story through the Grand Canyon and through parts of Zion. We did a whole headless horseman story. You just find something and you hold the kid's hand and you walk with them along the trail and you'll be surprised how well they listen. It's just fun. And so I've told my kids lots of stories throughout all the miles and all the years. And it's kind of fun because if you leave it on a cliffhanger and you tell them these are only hiking stories. And so then when you get back on the trail, the story starts right off where it left off and it keeps them going and it keeps them wanting to hike more. I think I have to add in a disclaimer here because I have tried to tell the kids stories and they're not having it. (laughs) They like their dad's stories better than mine. And I will say John is a natural storyteller. And so that helps. But in my case, I'm not. But I like when my kids were really little, I memorized some of their favorite books. They're just little books. It's not that hard. Like how to Make a mouse cookies or yeah, something. Uh, if you give a mouse a cookie, that was like our son's favorite book for a long time. Right. And so I memorized the book and then I would recite it as we hiked and he would say the lines with me that he knew and stuff. And so even just doing that. The other thing is in regards to John being such a good storyteller, if you go back to our Haunted National Parks episode that we just did, a few weeks ago, you'll be able to see that John is just a good storyteller. (laughs) Um, He took like one paragraph of a story and turned it into an actual fun story to tell. And so he actually, I'm trying to get him to record some of his stories and like put them in a podcast or something. (laughs) So if anybody is interested in that and wants to join my team of like trying to convince him that that would be something that people would use, because you could download something like that to your phone before you got to the park and let your kids listen. Or you could do audiobooks or something like that. You know, like there's other options if you're not a natural storyteller. But I think that John should do something like that. So if you agree with me, go to <laughs> dirtinmyshoes.com slash podcast and tell me, fill out the form there and just and just tell me, yes, you would use that if he did it. <laughs> all right. And then I'll tell all of your kids stories as you hike. Yeah, no, um, th- that has got us through miles and miles of hiking is just John telling fun stories that are in his brain and the kids will engage with him and they'll come up with their own plot twists and stuff sometimes or like certain ways they want the stories to go but you can make it as interactive with them as you want right you could just tell them the stories or you can let them add their own different things into the story but um, that's been a really effective strategy for us over the years right so okay tip number four is to play some trail games yes And I think every family will come up with their own family version, just like every house has their own house rules for different games. The same thing will happen on the trail. And so you'll have I spy. Do I spy a lot. (laughs) Yeah, we do that one a lot. And my my oldest son is the worst because he picks the the most minute thing that's the hardest you can never win because it's like a speck on a wall somewhere. Yeah, if you're ice spying while hiking, that can be a little bit challenging just because if you hike past it, then nobody will guess Right. if you've already passed it. And so sometimes we'll do like, it's the first person to find something like 
the first person to find an orange leaf or the first person to find a caterpillar or something like that. That can be fun because then that will keep them moving forward whilst also noticing the things around them. So that's a fun one. Another game that we play that is totally made up is a game where we all have our own imaginary dragons, small, they're shoulder-sized dragons. Yes. And we have to pick, all of ours are a different color. We have to pick what color they are. And then when our kids get really, really tired, like when they're just done, we'll pull out this game. It's kind of like the last resort. We know like our kids need a pick-me-up. So we'll say, okay. What food do you want your dragon to go and get you? And then we'll all think of like, oh, I could really go for like a donut and some chocolate milk right now. And we'll tell our dragons what we want them to go get them. And then we'll all send our dragons off to go get the food. Meanwhile, we keep hiking. And then five minutes later or whatever, John will make a noise. It's... And that signals that the dragons are coming back. They found us and they're bringing back our food. And that noise usually comes at the same time as a child's complaint. Yes. And so, (laughs) oh, dad, I'm so tired. Guess what I hear? (laughs) And so the the little dragons show up. And it's so funny. Like I said, with the house rules, and you'll, you'll have your own unique version of this. For some reason, our dragons... They're named after possums. And so it's weird. Our possums are coming, but they're really little dragons. And so it's just the weirdest thing. And so you can name yours after something, a stuffy that your kids have or something like that. But it works all the time. It'll be like, okay, I'm going to have my possum or my dragon is going to bring me a cookies and cream shake with a chocolate donut and a side of meatballs and spaghetti. That's what mine is bringing me. Ash, what is yours bringing yours? And so we just go through and then we send them all off at the same time. It really works great. I don't know why that is just like something we have literally done for our kids' whole lives. Yeah. They have been with us in almost every national park. They haven't grown out of it yet. Like, it's still really fun when you're hiking up the side of a mountain and you're so tired and then you're like, I want a blue raspberry icy. <laughs> There's just something that just like, I don't know. It's almost like if you're planning your final meal on it, this earth. It's like the scene from Signs, you yeah. know, when the aliens are, the doors are all locked and the characters are Joaquin Phoenix and, and everybody, they're like, I want a hamburger with waffles. They're, they're planning their last meal. It, for some reason, when you're in distress and you're on your you're hiking these long trails. It just feels good to plan your next meal. It does. I don't know. It even works on me. Yes. Like Even if I'm grumpy going up the mountain. I remember we were hiking in Jasper National Park up in Canada, and that was the hardest trail. We were doing the tour, what that one was called. Wilcox Pass or? No, it was. No, it was the longer one. It was the big mountains. Up by the hot springs. Dang it. Oh, the Sulphur sulfur Skyline Trail. Oh, yes. Thank you. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll look it up later and <laughs> put it in the show That notes. was but a hard trail. It was a hard trail and it was harder than we were expecting. And our kids were super young and it was just kind of one of those where we were like, are we crazy for being up here? And I remember just our dragons like got us through most of that hike. Yeah. Of just our kids 
thinking of different foods that they wanted to eat. And it helped me too. And it kept the complaining down. And it was just something we've always done, but it seems to work really well. So, And there there are a few specific actions that you have to take in order to send your dragons off or to catch them. And you have to do them all at the same time. And so it kind of gets their minds off of their whining a little bit. Okay, here they come. You have to catch your dragon. (laughs) Three, two, one. And then you catch your dragon and put him on your shoulder or you send them off the same way. You just do it all together as a group and it takes their minds off of stuff. Yep. That's a tried and true family activity that gets us through a lot of hiking. Take it or leave it, but it works really well for us. And then let's go on to tip number five, our final tip for hiking with kids. And I think this one is really just a given, but bring their favorite snacks. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially giving like we have treats that we don't eat at home that are kind of just treats that we always buy for vacations only Mm -hmm. like it's stuff that I just I don't really like to buy and have my kids eat all the time right but it's a novelty when we go on vacation I will buy them the Teddy Grahams that I never (laughs) buy when we're at home and stuff or sodas you know stuff like that but obviously you're not gonna hike with a soda but anyway so while we're hiking we will try to bring snacks or treats that our kids don't usually get but that they really like and split it up so that they have to make it to a certain place before we stop and have a treat or before we stop and have a snack. Right. And that seems to just work really well. Yeah. And I think some of them don't worry about the sugar content because they're using all of the sugar in their bodies. So you give them a little bit more to give them a boost of sugar and it helps to improve their mood a little bit and they're really tasty and just get something that everybody really likes and is excited for. And it gives them something to look forward to while they're actually hiking. Because I think a lot of the other strategies that we use are, you know, when when we're bribing them with something, like it's not like we're paying them right then and there. It's not like they get the stuffed animal that they are earning right while they're hiking. And so we use food to bribe them, basically, (laughs) while we're hiking to keep them going and, and to give them those regular rewards in real time as they're actually moving along the trail. So I find that helps a lot. And I do that. I think that's funny. I do that for myself too. Mm -hmm. Like I don't eat a lot of junk food, but when I'm hiking, I am allowed all of the peanut M&Ms that I want and stuff. And so I reward myself (laughs) with chocolate when I'm hiking. I that always, is true. I've always done that. And I will not touch Ash's peanut butter M&M's or peanut M&M's. Nope. You have to earn them or bring your own. <laughs> so <laughs> the kids don't get those either. They have their own gross snacks that I don't like. But I just, I don't know. I think I do that to myself anyway. I like to bring something that I really like to eat when I'm hiking, but I don't really eat any other time. Right. And so we do that with our kids too. And it works really good. Mm-hmm. Takeaway from this episode is that we are not above bribing our children right. to get so, them to hike. So, so far, <laughs> as a, a cynical recap is buy your kids the most expensive and best stuff, pay them for everything, give them lots of sugar. Sounds like grandparents' weekend. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's why grandparents are their favorite. When we employ the same strategies to get them to hike far. 
Right. But like I said, and like you said, it's conditioning them to be on the trail, to have their bodies get stronger and more used to being out on the trail and make it a fun thing for them. You don't want it always to be serious and hard and miserable. So we've all seen those families out on the trail that just look kind of miserable. And truthfully, we have been that family too. Right. I'm sure you have been that family too. And sometimes no matter what you do, your kids just are not responding. And that just happens. That's normal too. Right. But I think with the stories and the games and the snacks, and if you want to add in a little bit of extra, hey, here's a dollar for hiking this trail. <laughs> or uh-huh. Incentives. I, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that because you're helping them get outside. You're giving them fresh air. You're Spending quality time together as a family, having fun. And you're showing them that you value this. Yeah. I think. And they catch on to that as well. And so I think, I think it's, it all works together. Whatever gets you outside, honestly, is okay in my book. I agree. I think that we just need more time outside as families. I think that kids need more time outside. I think that kids need to be on a more difficult trail that makes them push a little bit. I think we need to learn those lessons right. as kids and adults. But, you know, <laughs> if you can start it when they're a kid and say, hey, I know this is hard, but it's going to be worth it because you get to see delicate arch. Right. <laughs> Which is something that not everybody gets to see because they're not willing to put in the work or they can't. I think it's a good way to teach them to be hard workers and to push through a little bit of pain for a really cool reward and to get that fresh air and that outside time. So we just love seeing kids and families outside. It is so fun for me to just see families doing things together in the national parks. Uh So I really, really hope that some things from this episode are helpful for you so that you can get your family outside And really instill in your children a love for being outside and being out in nature. Thanks for exploring the national parks with us. Please share, like, and subscribe. And if you need any help planning your own trip, click on over to dirtinmyshoes.com. See you next week. Same time, same place. And don't forget to get some dirt in your shoes.